I V M. Folks, welcome to Paisa Paisa. Brought to you by Credit, the most rewarding credit card bill payments app. I'm your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter. And today's episode, guys, this is why I love doing my podcast. It's a really important topic. Of course, not a topic that's connected with personal finance, you know, stuff like mutual funds and all. But this is about the informal labor sector. I'll tell you, this is one of the biggest things that India needs to get right. And I'm pretty sure that you'll connect to this, right? It has to do with upskilling, education, and opportunities for india's informal labor and we'll get into numbers you'll be surprised how large that is it's an extremely important topic and deeply connected with how our economy doesn't believe me you can make a difference out here too we'll tell you how to do that on this episode my guest gayatri vasudevan ceo labornet we're going to talk about the challenges and opportunities in india's huge informal labor market and how that makes an impact on you right after this great convenience break Gayatri, welcome to Paisa Paisa. Thank you so much for doing this for our listeners. A brief introduction for our listeners to what LabourNet does. We'll go into detail in the second half. So, um, thank you, Anupam, for inviting me. And uh, LabourNet is actually, one could say, it's two entities. Entity number one looks at uh, how do you give full-time wages. That means with social security, anybody who gets a monthly wage with a PF and an ESI, is a formal worker so we're trying to get people into uh, the formal work stream which is part of what labornet does and the second part of it is how do you get regular work which is also so labornet really does what we call sahi work so sahi work as you would assume is right work you know we want people to get regular work we want people to get uh, monthly wage we want them to get social security uh, the other entity which is also part of labornet which is the samba foundation looks at all the support that a person needs to get to this point which means how do you skill upskill reskill duration that is needed because there is 80% of our population who does not have any certification that means they finish 10th standard don't have any certification and these are not aliens you know these are everyday people so they are your drivers they are your plumbers your electricians your beauticians so range of people who touch our lives every single day are people who need to actually move to certification because that's the only way for them to get into two streams one is the wage stream the second is the social security stream that means how do they get connected to financial institutions mm-hmm. uh, uh, etc so that's what samba foundation part of labornet does is facilitate people to move to formal sector yeah gayatri please tell us about yourself i read your profile and my god it's fascinating i mean you could have gone one of i don't know how many ways you could have done whatever you wanted in life the kind of background idea why you know so just tell our listeners a little bit about you i mean you've traveled to what i mean the most remotest parts of india and you've done a lot of work out there can you just tell our listeners something about your background and what made you start labornet so uh, well i wanted to be a development professional right from the beginning so i finished my like most uh, people in their 20s which is uh, uh, decades back so i i sort of uh, finished my undergrad in delhi and uh, you know as my uh, sort of uh, what should i say luck would have it i got involved in the nss program the national social service program and got tremendously influenced by that after that i decided to do the my post graduation in social work in mumbai 
and uh, then decided to as you said live in a couple of uh, in villages you know because i had visions of uh, improving conditions there uh, post that i joined the ilo uh, and uh, spent about uh, about 8 years in ilo formally and 2 years more like a consultant um and that period was really an awakening for me i realized my first stint as a researcher come uh, activist living in a village didn't satisfy certain things uh, that i needed from a macro perspective in ilo it gives me a macro perspective but i knew that uh, i wasn't addressing i uh, wasn't able to address through state systems alone several issues and therefore labor net so the idea was uh, that you know the reason why people cannot move to let's say people you know there is people and other people so we are all you know it's it's just a lottery where you're born so we're all lucky to move to the other people and the real people are unlucky to be where they are so we believe that if you give the support system then they are able to reach where uh, the other people which is you and me are so that's what labornet is about uh, uh, creating care capacity creating an environment to help people uh, a reach to um, you know if they may not get a full time wage but at least they need to have all the other support systems which which mimic a full time wage just amazing right because after ilo you could have just gone into i don't know lobbying uh, think tanks and just ensconce yourself in delhi but i'm really impressed i mean you know it's an honor to have a guest like you does such deep work in this very important sector so i want to go back to your answer that uh, at the start we spoke about informal labor let's go deep in that right because you mentioned that 80% of india's labor force is in the informal sector it's got absolutely no recurring salaries 12 months of the year it's got no provident fund it's got i don't know it's got no safety nets right and a lot of us want to talk about it as a gig economy or whatever but it's a very diverse space right it could be your drivers it could be maids it could be someone working at a shop right these people are all informal labor force i wanted to just tell our listeners about the challenges that this very large labor force that's critical to india what are the challenges that they face you touched upon them in the start let's go into detail about them so you know i think the last year is the best year to actually uh, discuss it you know it's it's sort of thrown it in our face um let's take an informal sector those who are in the formal sector will get a monthly wage come what may they can be laid off but they will get a monthly wage till they are laid off right but in the informal sector you have to find work every day uh and again let's just look at uh, all the people as you rightly said who touch our lives every day but take the dhobi take a domestic worker take a electrician take a plumber you know taken i'm not even taking agricultural workers for a minute you know i'm just parking that because that's very complex i'm taking service sector to make it simpler all of these people have one single thing which uh, binds them together and puts them in that informal category uh which is that there is no as you said monthly wage that means i go out i work today i earn so if i don't work 25 days a month my wage goes down point number 1 point number 2 is there is no planning for the future which means that they have to you know whatever they earn is not only for today they need to plan there is nobody else there's no instrument itself which looks at savings for the future and as you would appreciate most of this is manual labor and therefore there is a time the you know i often think they're like uh, you know sports people uh, or uh, uh, artists you know they have a finite time because how much can your body really work when you're older 
which means that you need to make as much as soon as possible because you're not going to be able to make faster the third is they don't have any health cover at all so if you're sick you're you know that's the single thing which will bring you the fo- the next is a little bit more nebulous is the houses they live in uh a, you know mostly it will be what we would call a slum or a jhopad patti if you're in an urban area if it's in a rural area it will be in a hamlet uh, uh, but not in the main uh, panchayat village and the land is often there not their own so that will be illegal or uh, rented uh, apartment in illegal uh, localities so that's what differentiates it in very simple terms you mentioned agri and you put it on the side saying it's too complex tell us okay so you know people often think of agricultural workers as one segment you know and there's a very romanticized view uh, hare bhare fields are there people are running around and people are earning right but the reality is that most people have very small land holdings so it is not able to take uh, especially in india i'm not saying everywhere in the world in india this is a fact so people have one person alone one adult is what that land can at best uh, employ so the remaining actually move to the city uh, whether it is a metro city smaller city today the urbanization in india is very high right they could move to you know from a village to jabalpur as a city uh, or dharwad as a city or tiruvannamalai as a city you know any of these cities they will move to the remaining who remains in the village in that case it's the old the infirm and the women so that it's become so feminized indian agriculture has actually become feminized but the land holding is in the name of the family so it's the male members of the land who own it the people who work it are largely the old infirm and the women and they don't have access to the incomes there so it becomes a family in kind income and to the extent that it is sold uh, so that agricultural landholders these are micro and small landholders i'm i'm again referring to the poorer segment i'm not talking of the large land holding and then you have the um, labor you know so state after state if you see the labor who comes for paddy sowing paddy um, uh, cotton picking you can just name it you know it can be in cash crops like rubber coffee pepper it can be in uh, staples like uh, paddy it can be in uh, cotton picking it can be in sugarcane actually comes from outside so they mostly mm. are people who are not from the village yeah, who yeah. come at a point of time and uh, and pick and go just like any other casual labor so they are agricultural labor and most of the agricultural labor have another side of their life which is the construction labor so they function as agricultural labor they function as construction labor so what you would in a uh, common parlance in hindi you would refer as dehadi you know it can be any dehadi it doesn't matter so yeah. that's why it's complex because who earns who owns and uh, how does the money get divided is uh, between kind cash is is complex it is it is it is very complex and you know i'm just um, there's a lot of i think lack of knowledge about this which is why i'm glad that we're talking about it so now let's get to the solution part gayatri um two questions okay first what does formalizing of informal labor mean right and second why is formalizing even important for both sides on the table for the informal worker and for his prospective employer so to me and many of us uh, who believe that it's important is that if you do not plan for the future you actually have a drag on the economy 
forget the individual as i said the individual drag is a reality right uh, but look at the society who is going to support suppose i i am the informal labor right like let me take myself and assume that i am a i am a beautician uh, so i i want to sort of take a nice uh, let's say a friendly occupation i don't want to take uh, what we don't like as an occupation what happens when i'm not able to bend anymore and do your pedicure manicure your face facial whatever because it's heavy on the body right um, so as you might become 45 then what of me who is going to what kind of work can i do because i've been skilled in the single sector what kind of if i fall sick only my children have to look after me my children most probably are also in the informal sector my daughter is a domestic worker uh, or maybe a gig worker nowadays who's a delivery uh, is what my son is doing and i'm genderizing it consciously because you don't see many delivery girls right you only see delivery boys so if this is the case who's going to take care of me state is the health system good enough to take care of so many people who's going to pay for it i think that's the question one needs to answer second is where do i live what do i eat it all is going to come back to us as an economy therefore it is very important even if employer you see because many of these people don't have a single employer um uh, so let's take a sector like construction right 10% of india's labor force works in construction and if 10% of the labor force works in construction and 10% is what it contributes to gdp real GDP. estate uh, contributes to gdp you're you're talking of 10% of active workforce which is going to be becoming ineffective that means they're not able to work they don't have the social security then the question really is who pays it's taxpayers who will pay at some point some somebody has to take care you can't leave a population left uh, and that i think is the biggest issue so therefore instruments if it doesn't come from the employer because there is no single employer one needs to look at what other instruments are possible how can we actually mimic it so can we create uh, like yesterday i was listening to interesting things called community health insurance so without a tpa insurance provider can we actually have community health insurance can we have uh, you know similar savings bankings that are available because we need to create it the time is absolutely right where we can't walk away from roti kapda makan for those who don't have it after a point yeah i mean just this is it it's something that's so critical to our labor force right we like to talk about demographic dividends for india and the stock market keeps on going up and what not and i'm pretty sure that the entire labor force employed by all our listed companies would hardly be anything i think tcs is the largest employer and it's because of obvious reasons probably reliance is next but you spoke about gig economy in your previous answer right and we know the gig economy is growing by leaps and bounds and we've also had controversies over the living conditions of them which is probably a good thing because it's high time we start having that kind of discussion tell me your views on that gayatri the gig economy labor out there what are the challenges and opportunities for the informal labor in this sector i guess i'm talking so, about what the ubers and the urban clubs and the zomatos and the swiggies so arupam i'm actually very confused on that so i want to admit that starting <laughs> out okay. uh, because india has always had a very outsourced economy right and i sometimes feel because of this conversation on gig as you rightly said it's it's there in front of us right we're discussing this issue tell me when did we discuss it uh, prior to 5 years back we didn't even talk about them they didn't even matter but thanks to the ubers and the zomatos and uh, whatever you know the swiggies now you're talking of the gig economy uh, which means you're talking of this workforce which is quote unquote off rule 
it's not on your roles it's not on anybody's roles so um we we are talking about it so mm. to that extent i'm very happy i'm also very happy that we are thinking social security otherwise it never even mattered to us so um i feel that uh, while while we may vilify they have brought it to the dining table and if they brought it to the dining table i would like to really engage with them and see can we structure it properly uh, i mean it's not like outsourced work is there, is uh, not been there in india right piece rate we used to call it uh, so you know so many buttons stitched so many zips mm. done a classic actually even better one uh, is jo aapko anaj lata hai you know the the hamali yeah, yeah. who, yeah. uh, who who bring it are always paid by the number of bags so and those bags are huge 25 kgs 10 kgs they pick up on their bags and this is the one which brings uh, rice paddy etc to your uh, warehouses before gig i'm saying uh, this is all in the traditional everyday economy so in that sense i do feel that uh, a legal cover will come because people have become a little more aware and this is because these these companies have sort of raised so much money that everybody feels ah you know are they exploiting uh, but the point i think is that these systems piece rate system was always there mm. it uh, so the piece rate system was never recognized it never had any intervention so now i think with all of us talking about it we will think of solutions and that's why i'm confused right uh, should we say gig is bad well it's always been their piece rate has been the maximum paymaster from your chicken curry work the person who did to your buttons who sewed uh, to your zips the person who did everything was piece rate in construction your houses you construct piece rate uh, paint ko you say per square feet i'll do it per tonnage whatever mm. you know hamaris as i said uh. so to that extent i want to say that um, i'm 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 upbeat yeah you know of course these are uh, these are very important conversations that need to be had i mean this country needs to generate crore jobs per year i think 10 million is the number that's that's the kind right. of run rate that we need to and those, those are jobs anyway for uh, last question before we go into the break i think let's talk about plugging gaps right there are gaps in education gaps in employment gaps even in entrepreneurship right and formalizing informal labor can actually help i mean there there is a role out here how does this how do these pieces fit in the bigger picture so let me start with entrepreneurship you know it's one of the strange things for the educated you have accelerators you have incubators uh, you have chances of failures even if it is socially there's a little bit of stigma or maybe a lot of stigma you have them but for the self employed every day is entrepreneurial for the micro entrepreneur but we like to put them into that self employed category a person who self employed has to be very entrepreneurial because they have to go and look for work every day or you know in periods which are like less than a month so i feel we need to create an ecosystem to build that spirit in them and that should happen right from the school mm. the financial instruments are just not supportive of that for example uh, have you heard of a vc who is doing it at uh, 10000 to 50000 no it's debt there right you for the yeah. poor it's only debt so you borrow to try out an entrepreneurial idea if you're poor if you're uh, educated you have opportunity so i think on the entrepreneurial side yeah, according to me the biggest intervention which is needed is a flexible money which is going to test the ideas that they have and not sure. put them into a debt trap 
second as you said is in the uh, is those who are daily wage workers who are paid on a weekly basis or a monthly basis you know but are informal so this is your kirana shop person for example he or she is paid on a monthly basis but they don't fall into any economy um so there i think the key is looking at upskilling and reskilling so if you look at it how should a kirana store be what should it look like what how should storage happen there what should they, how do they read discounts how do they get so these are all tremendous uh, digital uh, you know both literacy numerical literacy and digital literacy which needs to come in to push them within kirana stores to a higher order mm-hmm. because you can do multiple things thanks to technology today as well as earn better yeah and there is a whole host of people who are uh, in this category that means they get paid but not get paid in a formal manner the third uh, is in the msme sector msme sector employs a lot of people but it is if there's an english word it is pygmyized you know it's mm. it's kept small because of other reasons it has nothing to do with the worker it is it is more to do with the uh, interaction with the laws and uh, legal so how do we get them out of that to get them to be larger so that they can formalize and i do believe that's a huge segment if we are able to move that uh, uh, juggernaut even a little bit and the last is uh, on the education again the last year has shown us the divide between the poor and the rich right if you did not have data connectivity yeah. if you did not have device uh, like for example in labnet one of the things we are struggling and every day talking about is 499 ka package hai ki 399 ka package hai will they be able to download a virtual class or a self learning class so how do you really engage with them to continuously learn when we say today if you looked at any workforce reports they will say mm. that continuous learning is a must in the next 30 years yeah and they have been disadvantaged as they start uh, you know they just get left behind so every uh, year that you leave them behind then don't bring them into this continuous learning which you and i have an opportunity for is is a disservice uh, again as i'm saying it's not the individual alone it's the economy yeah, yeah. which gets pulled it is you and i who get pulled because that uh, uh, from the neighboring slum or the neighboring village the person could not go through education and certification and therefore could not get into or find ways to mimic a formal economy get their health insurance get their social security regularity of wage they are not able to do it they fall back so that poverty trap becomes huge so that's really what to me formalizing is it's not necessarily one employer giving the wage all that you said is tweaks in regulation right at the state level at the central level it's not like yes. you're talking about something that requires 1991 type reform and a crisis and stuff like that and the sheer amount of people that are affected by this um okay folks sorry i know that i'm taking a lot of time today and i'm talking a lot because believe me this is a it's a subject that i deeply believe in this is the difference between india you know whatever trillion dollar economy and 8% growth versus probably higher anyway so we'll t- you know, we'll just take a small break we'll take a credit convenience break right now on the other side we're going to dive into what labornet is about like i said my guest gayatri basudevan ceo labornet folks we'll be right back mm-hmm. 
and welcome back to this really special episode of Pesa Pesa. Let's see. Okay, tell us about Libanite. When was it formed? You put an association with the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation. Super strong backers, I guess. Tell us about that. So, uh, Libanite was formed in two thousand and eight. Uh, as you rightly said, Michael Susan Dell Foundation is our impact investor. So there are a set of uh, investors, you know, who are called impact investors. So we luckily have angels also who are impact investors as well as three very credible um, institutions. You don't have a massive VC writing hundred million dollar checks to you every quarter. <laughs> I <Okay>. wish, <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, so um, I think. Uh, what is uh, very nice about investors such as Michael Susan Dell Foundation is they are very long term investors. Um, they give space and time, uh, and they look at multiple financial instruments also. So while they may have initially put equity when we were having a slightly tough time, they were looking at the way in which uh, we could access uh, debt. Uh, so they had a debt instrument which which they brought in. Uh, during the COVID times to our not-for-profit Samba Foundation, uh, they did a grant. So there's a variety other than technical expertise that they bring in. And I'll tell you why it's important is even in social enterprises, you know, while India doesn't have a very defined way of calling a social enterprise, it doesn't. Uh, so these entities, because we work with very thin margins, we are looking at sustainability. We don't want to be completely grant funded all the time. See, there's an arm of us which will have to work with grant funds, but the other arm cannot work with grant funds. We need to create sustainability. You need very flexible and a multitude of financial instruments to make that happen. So Michael and Susan Dell Foundation first invested us in us in 2013, and they have continued to be one of the most uh, supportive investors that we've had. Okay. I saw your website and your website states that you target corporate, educational institutions, government, and individuals. Walk us through each of because all four of them are quite interesting. How do you, you know, how do you do this? So let me take corporate first. Um, so there are companies, okay, let me take a, a concrete example, right? Like, for example, if they are fabricator companies, fabricators are on aluminum in all the big high-rise buildings, you have the aluminum windows are all done by fabricators. So there are companies which sell, uh, you know, these pipes, aluminum pipes, uh, and they need fabricators. For them, they are their market influencers. Uh, but for us, they are informal sector workers. So we look at uh, skilling and reskilling them. Now, let me take a uh, example closer to home. Uh, let's take a plumber. You know, uh, what is your biggest complaint with a plumber? You know, usne aake kiya, par, uh, I bought a Jaguar tap and it, uh, so I, this will be, you know, you say the guy just doesn't have the skills to do it, has never been certified. So what we do is we try to engage with corporates and get the real and um, uh, most relevant product training through them, the content through them, and then we deliver it. So all of them are not still uh, uh, onto the digital platforms, you know. So they need physical. So we bring them together. We certify them using the government certification systems. So we try to bring them in so that if they get a government certification, they can then use it for other identity purposes for social security. So that's with corporate. Now with educational institutions is we um, in 2013-14, we were working very closely with the government to bring in vocational training into schools. Uh, so today we work about 50,000 students. We have deployed about 400 teachers. So instead of a third language, you know, India has a three language policy. That means you do English, Hindi, 
and Kannada or Marathi or Punjabi or Urdu or Sanskrit or whatever. Instead of the third language, a child can take a vocational subject. So in government schools, we have introduced it as a board subject. So we deploy the teachers to do it. Similarly, with colleges, we have 12 colleges in which we are running BWOC programs. The idea is to create employable adolescents who will become young people who can decide whether to do a graduation, but have the choice of actually having a skill even before they hit the labor market at 18. Then was uh, government. So government, our relationship has been more with National Skill Development Corporation in Ministry of Skill Development and Entrepreneurship to look to see can we create, uh, you know, transferable credit-based certification, uh, which means that uh, currently, for example, one of my pet uh, projects we are looking at is uh, vaccinators and community mobilizers, right? They're already nurses, dentists, by Ministry of Health's uh, guidelines, a pharmacist, a dentist, uh, a nurse, an auxiliary nurse, midwife can all vaccinate, can be in, they can inoculate. Mm. But pre-COVID, they may have all done maybe 20 inoculations uh, yeah. in a month. Yeah. Now they have to do, look at the scale they have to do. So we've been working with the Health Sector Skill Council and National Skill Development Corporation to look to see can we actually, uh, you know, train them to ensure better uh, speed of vaccination. That means declutter the role. What can be done by somebody else? Data entry can be done by somebody else. Uh, Community Ah. mobilization can be done. So they have more time. They can focus. Somebody else cleans it. So we sort of created it like a, think of it like a marriage hall, right? Yeah, I know. I was thinking of the Anganwadi workers and their, uh, you know, who are the PhDs for for the the Pulse Polio program. I was thinking on those lines, but I get what you're saying. Pulse Polio, you see, is... uh, is Oh, yeah, yeah. Require, so doesn't require, to, yeah, yeah. Intravenous, right? That's so, why they call it. And yeah. yeah, so therefore, uh, it's not everybody who can just very easily do it. It's not complicated, but they have done it, but they need to speed up. Sure. So we launched that training program. Uh, so th- that's with government, you know, work with them to create credible certification, which can be transferable from a credit perspective. And from individuals' perspective, uh, we're constantly trying to ind- engage with individuals on two forms. One is our uh, not-for-profit Sambhav Foundation to come in with cash in kind uh, and be part of our uh, sort of movement in a sense. The other thing that I really think with individuals, which we haven't really done, but we would really like to do is communicate with them and explain just like you say, you're doing Anupam, like you gave us an opportunity to say these are not people out of the world. They're, you're, you're dealing with them day in, day out, every day. And they are the majority of people you're dealing with, you know, okay. uh, from your Kamwali Bai to your Dhobi to your electrician and plumber, whoever, you know, you're dealing with them every day. So can we really look at creating community-based movements uh, sure. to look at, uh, you know, their stability? So I'm getting into that right now, right? Because now I'm going to come, you know, my next questions, the last two questions, in fact, are from a listener perspective. Uh, because I get this a lot in my conversations on the forums where I'm at. A lot of discussion happens on this, right? Um, some of us who are sensitive enough can see that informal labor is in distress and want to do something, especially in the pandemic. We, we want to help in, in some way or the other. So my question to you is, what's the best way for me, for us or for whoever, you know, to help informal labor make a sustainable living you know and i'm i'll tell you the second part of this question about how people can reach out to you but first let's get into that tell me how the listeners can actually make a difference like you said this outreach that you're talking about so anupam for a minute let's spark labor net okay and let's just say you want to do something 
in my opinion there are lots and lots of ways uh, the first i would say is have you thought of creating a recurring deposit for them so a simple instrument there are multiple companies even in the fintech world which are looking at savings for uh, the informal sector so assuming you pay somebody um, let's just simplify life right uh, say i am dealing with 10 informal sector workers so and let's name them just for simplicity for cities say the security guard of my apartment complex the domestic worker who comes and makes my roti or cleans my uh, house the dhobi who comes and collects the clothes and then i call uh, uh, you know normally the electrician or the plumber or a mason or somebody who comes let's take this uh, category which is an everyday dealing for me right in a month i must be dealing with them every day or at least once or twice a month for these people i think we should see and encourage them to look at financial portals if not uh, uh, yourself with an rda simple rda also will do in my opinion to say okay if i'm giving you this or if you earned this can you put it in this instrument i think that would be very very important the next that i would say is look at health insurances um today there is a lot of government health insurance also engage with the government health insurance however you trust or don't trust uh, see whether they can be part suppose you are giving them a monthly wage nothing prevents you to actually register them in esi there is a method which is there and one can facilitate it then you have the so health savings these are two the uh, savings can be for future and savings can be for education T- typically you will find people borrow at june when they say school ka fees pay karna hai you yeah. know because they put them in low cost uh, uh, affordable education so we should look to see for education separately and for future separately and the last which i'm increasingly feeling is a uh, is important is bring them into the digital world uh you know every time you you say this laptop is bad or this uh, phone of yours is bad think they need the best equipment mm. so when you're buying your diwali gift you may want to actually consider one diwali gift which is an digital uh, diwali gift with a data pack uh, these are very important because continuous learning is very very important for the agricultural workers who we don't see at all right to mm. anybody in the village who's far away from me somebody who cleans the street is not somebody i'm going to register with i think there possibly one needs to we needs to think through but today there are many platforms which allow you to do and i can at least name three platforms that i am sure. aware of you Please have give india you have milap you have keto these are three big platforms we can engage with uh, and these platforms what they do is they connect you to organizations which can further take that forward so i think those are ways i would say are important to engage you know i had a conversation with a few of my friends who asked me acha tell us i want my maid to start an sip and you know i was like do does she have health insurance nahi nahi wo pata nahi and i was like guys what are you even thinking out here i mean you know i i get that mutual funds are important and this and that but i'm going to recap for our listeners what you said recurring deposit lovely instrument at a bank simple to execute small small amounts each and every month remember interest compounds on that second health insurance right and you know and that is something that even the government provides you can look at the central government schemes that are there and third is the digital thing could be a laptop could be a mobile phone folks that is how you help the informal labor that touches your lives and like gayatri said there are probably what 10 of them if not more that you deal with on a day to day basis okay last couple of questions gayatri some of our listeners um, you know startup founders msme owners what can they do 
to engage informal labor in a more meaningful way right so i don't know if they're looking out for labor should they reach out to you what can they do absolutely i mean uh, one is you know reach out to companies like ours where we would ensure pfesi at least as a minimum ensure that they pay on the first of the day uh, month so that the uh, worker can be paid on the seventh of the day if your msme owners or startup uh, i would say another thing one can engage is look at where they stay don't walk away from it you know uh, very recently we are doing a project where we looked at uh, at a construction site what should the interior look like we always talk of our interiors right what should an interior look for where there are bunk beds where people sleep together uh, you know what kind of toilets should they have what kind of uh, kitchen facilities should they have what kind of water should they have what kind of energy they should they have so i think it's possible for msme particularly msme their manufacturing to look at where they're staying their labor is always staying in uh, what they call pgs you know but these oh, i are, think you're being uh, very charitable with that pg word yeah so absolutely anupam so i think we should look at all of these things and see no. you know uh, create a form of better living conditions uh, i am firmly of the belief if living conditions are better they will not fall so sick they will not be so much absenteeism uh so i think it's in their uh, benefit to look at these elements other than simply putting them with uh, third party aggregators like ours and say you know payroll them very interesting right i mean i'm guessing that this would also ensure that they don't leave the organization because if you're giving them housing or at least you know helping them out if you're giving them health insurance and in the us for example health insurance is part of the package wouldn't that also make the informal labor stick with you for a longer time i mean why is a government job so important right people love government jobs because it, you get a you know you probably get a house with it you get security with it why can't the private sector do that so anupam i again i'm a bit divided like the gig there so i'll be honest with you you know i have a all the software uh, you know i have a son who's 22 uh, so i he's just got into the labor market and they i see all of these uh, you know youngsters talking about two years three years and they'll move and we consider it okay right uh, so it's not like he's got pf he's got esi he's in a formal job etc so what i mean by it is in today's world you know being in one entity forever may not be the dream even mm. so for the poor why should it be so we shouldn't hold it back but the overall status improves right sure. so not sure. going to get dengue because their environment looks bad you're getting dengue because there's water stagnating in your neighborhood boss mm. so what are we talking about yeah. so i think that's what sure. i what i mean okay last question i just realized you know i'm just i don't know if listeners got that feeling but maybe you know people think that we are talking at a policy level or we are talking about charity or we are talking about social sector we are talking about think tanks but guys labornet is a company that is a for profit organization gayatri let's wind up on that how do you what's your business model you know how do you do this and get a profit also so uh, as i say we have uh, revenue streams from each so those who payroll with us we get a markup on that uh, where there is uh, uh, what in today's world is called gig where there is outsourced work there we take a percentage of that whether it is in the education where we do uh, like i said in the plumber case then the company pays us so we look at the company paying us for their for us to do a service for them so the service in this case being reskilling or upskilling so we get paid by by people to actually educate isn't that brilliant and i wish <laughs> you all the very best my god you know i if even half of the work that you do makes an impact and i hope that 200% does i think the labor force can be a very different story and this country can look very different so guys thank you so much 
for doing this episode of Paisa Paisa, folks. That is a wrap. Um, I'm sure that you heard the last two parts because they were really important. Just recap them any which way. Start a recurring deposit, um, get health insurance and give digital products to the people who's, you know, who touch your life in the informal labor segment. And if you're a startup and if you're an MSME owner or whatever it is, look at housing, look at health and look at associated factors. Guys, see, one last thing. Where can our listeners reach out to you? I mean, the credentials, which is the website and all the social media pages are, are all there in the episode description but i don't know maybe someone wants to reach out to you what's the best way to do it the website would be the best way to do it fantastic okay. and folks with that that is the wrap on this episode of pesa vesa my guest gayatri vasudevan ceo libanet gayatri really thank you so much for doing this for our listeners thank you anupam and now folks a great privilege tip of the week recurring deposits yes think of them like sips with your bank these are nice and convenient ways to do tiny savings okay check out the various options that your bank offers typically they don't you know feature this very prominently but there are interesting ways to inculcate a savings habit recurring deposits means keep on depositing a small amount of money in your bank could even be a large amount of money in your bank account month after month after month helps you in your savings habit and that there is the credit privilege tip of the week And listeners, if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM Network. You can listen to us on the IVM Podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are IVM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm your host Anupam Gupta B50 on Twitter. And thank you so much for listening to Paisa Paisa.